29, Genesis 29. Classic, you reap what you sow story here. Jacob and Rachel and Jacob and Leah. You know, it's funny, these last couple of weeks reading through the stories of Jacob, I got a lot of chuckles out of these, out of these passages. Um, I don't know. I, I, I grew up in school with one of my Bible teachers being Jeff Redlin, who was uh, from Pensacola. And uh, he was always a jokester, and I always had some fun jokes. So I always, I don't know, think back to story, him telling stories uh, of these kinds of things, and uh, I always found the humor in uh, in this, and, and he always said, God has a sense of humor, just look in the mirror, and um, that's not very nice, but that's um, what I think of when I read through the story of Jacob, and you see lessons being taught, um, and things coming around to kind of bite you in the backside when you don't do things right in life. And to understand that the concept that the Bible teaches of you reap what you sow is so very true. And, uh, and we see it in the story of Jacob and Rachel and Jacob and Leah. Let's start, though, in, uh, let's see here, verse number 9. Bear with me. I want to read through several verses, but bear with me. It's, uh, the Bible is a teacher, right? Um, and so we can paraphrase it if we want to, or we can just see what the Bible says about it. Verse number 9, And while he yet spake with them, this is Jacob with people at the well, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother. Remember that phrase, because it's going to get used 20 times over the next two verses. Um, but Rachel, the daughter of Laban, uh, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he, uh, he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said unto him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me what shall thy wages be? By the way, if you ever get asked that question in life, that's the position you want to be in. Uh, What should I pay you? What do you want? Uh, Man, what an awesome question. Verse 16, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. I've seen different things on this, but the idea of tender-eyed, one even says that just means blue-eyed, soft-eyed. And back then that was looked as a negative thing, which is interesting because nowadays you think blue-eyed and whatever. But anyways... Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. I had always been told that Leah was tender-eyed meant she was cross-eyed and ugly, but um, doesn't seem to be what it means. And Jacob loved Rachel, verse 18, and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that, that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Oh, 
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us come back this afternoon. Thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And I do pray that we would be reminded or learn something fresh from this story of Jacob and how you dealt with in his life. Uh, and Lord, to some degree, the consequences of, of issues in, this, in his past. I pray that you just help us as we look at it, that we'd see it correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we see this, uh, this, this great uh, story. Uh, we didn't even get to the good part just yet, but we're going to get there, I promise, very soon. Uh, so I've got four points for today. Number one, love and truth. Love and truth. And we see it in verse 15 through 20. We see that Jacob had a love for Rachel. He, she was incredibly beautiful, according to what is said here. And, uh, and so when he was asked, what should I pay you? I shouldn't just have you work for nothing, so what should your wages be? His response, Jacob's response was, I will serve for seven years uh, if you will give me your daughter Rachel to be my wife. And Laban agrees to this. And, uh, and it says there in verse 20 that those seven years seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. You know, it's funny, I think of seven years um, and, and our church has been in existence for almost nine years now. And there are days where that seems like, boy, it went by fast. And there's other days where it looks at it and go, man, it's been forever ago since that first launch service and all those kinds of things as well. And, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun. Uh, maybe time flies when you're uh, waiting for a wife. I'm not sure. But here we see Jacob, the love that he had for uh, Rachel and the truth behind it, right? He says, um, I'm going to work for you for seven years. I, I'm going to do my part to earn this, uh, this woman, this bride. And, and everything behind verses 15 to 20 just had this very open truth about it, which we all know the rest of the story doesn't have as much of that. That brings us to point number two, love and deceit. Love and deceit. Laban took advantage of the love that Jacob had and maybe some of the... Um, uh, immaturity that Jacob had as well here. Look at verse 21. It says, And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter. Remember, uh, Jacob loved Rachel. He took Leah, his daughter, um, Zilpah, his, uh, his maid, foreign handmaid, uh, let's see, he gave Leah, excuse me, I skipped ahead. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilp, uh, Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done to me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Now, this plays into a lot of things. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. I apologize. I'm trying not to. but uh, And so, remember, Jacob uh, got his brother, his older brother, to sell the birthright for pottage because uh, he was dying of starvation. He took what was rightful to the older-born son. And then he stole the blessing as well, which was earned for the firstborn child, firstborn son. And now he comes into the situation where he does not see the face of his bride. And when he wakes up in the morning, ta-da, it's Leah. And he says, hold on a sec. 
Now, again, I've always heard the story, maybe you've heard this way too, where he finally opened the veil up and it was, (gasps) but that's not the way this worked. But nonetheless, he's in the morning, he realizes he, it wasn't the girl that he wanted. It wasn't the girl he had eyes for. It wasn't the girl he had his heart for. And because he loved Rachel so much, um, he was kind of blind to the fact of what was going on and he was being deceived, which is what he did to his father um, years before. And so we see this deceit coming now back onto, uh, onto Jacob. And what's incredible about this whole story, and we'll look at the rest of it here in just a second, is that at no point did it get better. It, was, it just constantly adds up to worse and worse situations because nobody wanted to do right. Now, you could say, well, Laban wanted to do right because the firstborn was supposed to be given away before the secondborn. Well, then why not find a husband for the firstborn within that seven years and give her away? Right? I mean, that, times then were different than times now. It, it would have been a little simpler to find a husband for Leah. Um, but apparently her fair-eyedness uh, didn't sit well with the gentleman back then. So we see this deceit uh, that was given towards Jacob now, and he's he's hurt by this. He, he said, "What you know? I've served thee. I, I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you beguiled me?" And Laban's simple response was, "Well, the firstborn has to be given away before the the, the next one." Which sounds simple, right? But uh, it seems like something that could have been brought up seven years ago um, when he asked, "What what would you like?" We see here that. Uh, Laban continues to respond here, and we're going to look at so love and truth, love and deceit, love and bad marriage. Verse 27, uh, he says, Fulfill her week, that's another seven years, and we will give thee also this for the service which thou hast, shalt serve uh, with me yet seven other years. Jacob did so, fulfilled her week, and gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. So Laban gave Rachel his daughter, uh, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid, so we got Zilpah with Leah, Bilhah with um, uh, Rachel. And he went in also unto her, Jacob did, unto Rachel. And he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. Now listen, let me see if I can find it quickly. I didn't write it down. Um, in chapter 20, No, it doesn't matter. It's there. We read it before. Um, You remember it specifically says that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Weren't there major problems with that? And now you flip the page and you're here where it says that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. That's going to be a problem. Now listen, Laban, he should have been smart enough to understand this is not going to turn out well. If, if he truly wanted his daughters to be happy, maybe that's not what he was concerned about. But this was going to be a problem, and it, and it was. It was a huge problem from here on out. But look what God does. God looks down, and he sees Jacob loving Rachel more than Leah. In verse 27, it says, uh, no, verse uh, 31, excuse me. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. God consistently loves the unloved all throughout Scripture. Um, and we see it, we see it in, in Christ's time as he walked on the earth. But we see it all throughout Scripture as well. And he looked down and he said, Leah, she got the short end of the stick here. Jacob didn't. Leah did. Leah was given to this guy who didn't like her. 
not only did he not like her, he really liked her sister. So Leah's in this bad situation. So God looked down and he says, I'm going to bless Leah. And Leah conceived and bare a son. And she did it again in verse 33, and she did it again in verse 34, and she did it again in verse 35. And it says at the end of verse 35 that she left bearing. So she had these children, and then she stopped having children. That brings in Rachel now back into the story, and she is going to take matters into her own hands, ways that we've seen done in the past that didn't turn out well. Apparently, they did not get taught these stories. Rachel comes in verse 1 of chapter 30, and when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she envied her sister. And she said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And she said, Behold my maid, Bilhah. Go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees, that I may also have children by her. Again, this is not the first time that we've read about something like this where she says, I can't have children, so take my handmaid, and I'll have children through her. Not how it works, but anyways. Um, so he did, which again, stupid, right? Not smart. Sorry, we don't say that word. Not smart. And, and that's exactly what happened. Verse 5, uh, Bilhah conceived and bare a son. Rachel, verse 6, said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Verse 7, Bilhah had another child, uh, second child. And verse 8, Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Nathali. And Leah, verse 9, this is incredible to me. This is that conflict going on between Rachel and Leah all the time. So Leah has all these children. Rachel's upset, so she says, take Bilhah, have children with Bilhah, and I'll claim them to be my children. And so Bilhah has children, and Rachel goes, ha-ha, I win. And, and verse 9, Leah saw that she had left bearing, and she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, the wife. <laughs> and so Zilpah starts having kids with Jacob. And verse number 13, Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Um, we see this just this conflict that's not being handled correctly, right? In verse 14, Reuben, which was uh, one of Leah's sons, uh, Reuben went in in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldest thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And so she talks Jacob in uh, to, uh, uh, to loving Leah. And, and, they, and all of a sudden God hearkens, verse 17, unto Leah. And she conceived and she bare Jacob a fifth son. And then verse 19, she conceived again. And now we're sitting there, verse 21, and afterwards she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. So after she had stopped having children in verse 35 of chapter 29, now all of a sudden she's having kids again. And so Rachel thinks she won because her handmaid had children. Then Leah's handmaid has children, so now Leah's back on top. And then all of a sudden, we need some mandrakes, so Leah, now Leah's having kids again. It's ridiculous. And yet all this time happening, you can understand the heartache, I'm assuming, in Rachel, right? So she has this idea, and she tries to tell herself, I'm winning, 
But if you know anything about women, which some of you all do better than I do, but if you know anything about women, you have the idea of the, of the heartache that's within Rachel. Even when Bilhah was having children, you can't, you can't tell me that Rachel was happy. Right? She says, aha, I went over my sister. And inside, she knew she didn't. And she still had that emptiness. She still had that heartache going on. Um, verse 22, it says, And God remembered Rachel, but I like better the next phrase, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. There's where the joy comes in. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And we see this, what, what just comes back to me, all right? And this is right through two chapters here, and we see this uh, conflict between a father-in-law and a son. We see the conflict between sisters. We see the conflict uh, between a husband and spouse. We see all this constant conflict, and we'll see more now that Joseph is born. But what just gets me is in verse 22 when it says, God hearkened to her. I don't know if there was any prayer involved with the Bilhah situation. I'm guessing not. Uh, I don't know that there was any prayer involved uh, with the Zilpah situation. I'm not sure there's any prayer involved. I, I think there was when it comes down to Rachel and Leah. And I think Rachel had prayed and maybe for many years had prayed. And maybe for times she didn't pray. And this is just guessing. Maybe there were times where she didn't pray and she was just depressed and, and unhappy and, and angry or whatever it may be. And maybe there were times where she did. I would assume with the Bilhah situation, she was not praying at that time. Maybe she was praying up to that point and she finally decided, I'm just going to take it into my own hands and this is how I'm going to have children. But we finally come down, and we don't read of Rachel's prayer here, but what we do read is God hearkening to her, which means she was praying. And I can just imagine, we read of other stories, right, uh, in the Bible where mothers are just agonizing over the desire to have children and God hearing them. And it says here that God hearkened to the voice of Rachel. He hearkened to her and opened her womb. We're going to look at the Joseph story in, in future weeks, but I look at this whole story and I just go, my goodness. First of all, how important is truth in your word? Um, if Laban just gave Rachel to marry uh, uh, Jacob, maybe God doesn't shut up the womb of Rachel. Maybe he does, but maybe he doesn't. Because it says that God looked down at Leah and saw that she was hated, so he opened her womb. Uh, and, and it says that in verse, uh, but Rachel was barren, in verse 31 of chapter 29. And so... You know, we don't, we don't know all the details behind Rachel and Leah's relationship before Jacob came along. We don't, we don't know all that information. But we know there was constant conflict after Jacob came along. And we see that one sister's trying to outdo the other sister, and they come up with their own ways, which were wrong. And then the other sister trying to get back on top or even or whatever you want to call it came up with another way, and she was wrong. And you, at the same time, you see God's goodness. You see God's goodness to Leah through this all. And again, I, you see Leah's mindset here a little bit, where it says that, that 
Jacob loved Rachel more. We saw what that did to Esau and that whole relationship with Jacob and Esau. Uh, when Isaac, or excuse me, when Rebecca loved Jacob, and then we're going to see it more with Joseph here down the road too. It just keeps happening. But if we can just be truthful, not deceitful, if we can truly love people and not hate people, um, if we can truly just treat people godly in a godly manner, so much pain could be avoided. Husbands shouldn't have a favorite wife. I'm just kidding. They should. They should have one wife, and she should be their favorite. But we see it with children, too. Right? We saw it with Isaac, and we're getting ready to see it with Jacob and Joseph. And we just see this constant reminder throughout these stories in Genesis of the importance of loving, if I can use the term everyone, the way God desires for us to love them. In this specific case, it's family. Jacob got what he thought was a raw end of the deal with Leah. At that point, and, and times were different there than they are now, I get all that, but there should have been a, a heart change in Jacob with Leah. And there wasn't. And we can understand it to some degree. We can't blame him too much, but at the same time, he was wrong. Would we have been different? Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> but he was wrong. And because he was wrong, it caused problems. God looked down, and he looked at Leah, and he said, Leah, your husband hates you, but I love you. And he looked down eventually at, at uh, Rachel and he reminded her, I, I still love you. And he hearkened to her and gave her what she greatly desired. And she had a son named Joseph. And we understand, and we'll look at the story of Joseph, but we understand what comes as a result of that. Who Joseph is and the role that Joseph plays and the amazing use of God in Joseph's life. And to watch, Joseph was not perfect, but to watch the wisdom given to Joseph by God and then Joseph's obedience to God over his trialed life is absolutely incredible, especially when you look at his dad and his mom and his mom's sister, his aunt, and all the situation with that, that something positive can come. But we see here, to me, one of the most encouraging phrases in these two chapters is God hearkened to her. Was she perfect? No. Was she uh, in some ways vile? Sure. But God hearkened to her. And that should constantly keep us on our knees going to God, asking for the things that we desire. And instead of looking back and going, well, I've done too much for God to answer any of my prayers. And God will forgive, and God will hearken. And so we just keep praying. And uh, just an intriguing story all the way around, and we'll see some more of it when we look into Joseph and the relationship he had with his brothers, um, which will lead us into more stories of Joseph, which is just a, a Joseph's incredible story throughout Scripture, God, the things God did in his life. So we'll look at that in the coming weeks as well. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for hearing us when we call. And Lord, thank you for answering in your time. We know that your time is perfect. And Lord, help us to be patient. Help us to be right. Um, Lord, help us not to hate. Help us not to despise. 
and help us to love. Uh, And Lord, may we rejoice in the prayers that you answer for us. And may we see the wonderful uh, reward to seeking you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.